Welcome back to another episode of the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast. My name is Woodrow Bellamy III. Today is Friday, July 31st. And on today's episode, we'll be discussing some of the latest July airline and business jet flight activity trends and what that means for the global aviation industry. But first, I wanted to remind everybody that you can go check out our recent Cabin Chats on-demand virtual webcast series on our website, www.gcasummit.com slash cabin chats. Lots of great content there, still available on demand on our website. Please go check that out. So on today's episode, Wings Advance, which is a provider of data analytics and business intelligence to aviation OEMs, operators, avionics suppliers, MROs, FBOs, and more throughout the global aviation industry, recently published their latest July airline and business jet aviation flight activity report. And there were some interesting insights in there regionally, especially within Europe, as well as the Asia Pacific region and the US. So we caught up with Richard Coe of Wings Advance, who is the managing director for Wings Advance to discuss some of the latest July traffic trends and what that could mean for the COVID-19 recovery. So let's get into our discussion with Richard. So Richard, on July 23rd, Wings published some interesting updates on some of the business and commercial airline flight activity for the month of July. Uh, Now that we're here in the last week of July, can you give us just some perspective on what that traffic data captured by Wings uh, for the month means in terms of the industry and how it's recovering from the drop in passenger demand? Yes, Woodrow. I think the interesting thing is that the middle part of July started to see this stuttering in in the reopening process, particularly as we saw... Um, the, the virus spread in the U.S. and, uh, and some of the states that had opened quite quickly, taking some some steps in the other direction. Um, and, and lastly, even in the last few days, we've seen some concerns about a second wave in Europe. So whilst the start of July really picked up the pace of recovery in business aviation, and I would emphasize really business aviation because that got most of the benefit, not so much scheduled, the middle and end of July is seeing a, a that, that that recovery hit the buffer somewhat and and slow again. So what we've got for all of July now we're more or less complete is a global trend of about 20% down um, year on year. So as compared to July 2019. So look at that in the context of the. Uh, the, the, the pandemic since April. So April saw the uh, the, the enormous sort of um, switch off into, in, in activity where, where fly activity was down 70% plus. Then in May, we saw the market down by a half, 50%, and talking now about the global market. And, uh, and then in June, the market was down a third, so there was some, so clearly some recovery there. Uh, and at the start of July, really the direction, the trajectory was towards 15% off or maybe even 10% off in the U.S. And uh, and we've now seen that come off a little bit. So that's why we're looking at an overall 20% decline. 
Yeah, and you know, it's July's been interesting, like you said. It's been kind of uh, up and down, you know, um, especially here in the U.S. Once, once some of the, uh, you know, uh, COVID nineteen cases started going back up, some of the states started implementing more restrictions, and the the international flying is really interesting because you, I mean, it's just kind of country by country, you know, um, where the restrictions are. Uh, but I wanted to focus on Europe because I thought that was really interesting. Some of the data you all published last week about the flight activity in Europe, uh, where there's actually some regions, especially on the business aviation side, where there's actually some increases in the number of business jet flights compared to July 2019. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, that's right. Well, two in particular stand out, Austria and Belgium. And I think that those are interesting ones because you can link them pretty or at least partially linked into specific events. Austria had the recommencement, the relaunch of the of the Grand Prix um, sporting circuit in uh, in the actually two consecutive weekends. They they had um, they had some Grand Prix racing, and that brought in um, a relatively big crowd. So you could see that um, bringing back some of the leisure traffic, which has continued through the month. I mean, it's also the fact that. Austria reopened pretty early uh, back at the start of May after having quite a severe lockdown and has been really quite successful in, uh, in, in containing the virus. So you could see that you know, a lot of people that might have taken longer trips for, for holidays um, in Central Europe have, have probably ended up you know, either staying within their country or, or, or short hops over the border. And I think Austria has been a beneficiary there. Um, and Belgium, of course, had the big European summit um, at the start of the month, and uh, and that is probably responsible for some of the um, some of the bounce back year on year uh, in that country. I mean, Croatia has also had a small increase, so so it's clearly you know I, th- I think we can certainly infer that that's leisure demand. And the other country, which is um, through the through the 27th was was pretty much flat, which is which is extraordinary given how far down it was in the last couple of months of Spain, um, with with a big recovery in visitors uh, both from the UK actually, but also most of all from Germany. Now the question over the last few days, which you will have seen in the news, is whether uh, this this uh, this surge of infections in Spain is something we should be worried about in the UK apparently thinks it is something to worry about and has slapped on a quarantine. So that recovery may well come off in Spain. But it's been quite impressive so far in July. And, you know, there's some of the busier airports that you all reported on. Uh, what are, you know, what are some of those busier airports within Europe? Um, I understand, you know, you mentioned Austria and I understand France has been pretty interesting to monitor the flights out of France as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, France has come back. France is is the the, the biggest market for business aviation in Europe, um, and for July so far, it was down by twelve percent, which is just a little bit better than better than the overall European trend and really big uh, recovery on where it was in in May and June. And interestingly, flights within France are just five percent down. So I think what you can see there is the same sort of effect where people are are taking leisure trips, but rather than international ones, which would be fraught with complexity, particularly if going outside Europe, they're staying within France. And, um, you know, for example, we've seen growth in year on year activity at Cannes Airport so far in July. Um, and that's, 
you know, pretty much a nailed on leisure location. Um, nice has come back to an extent, but it's still down almost 20%. And I guess that's because it normally has a lot of international traffic, including from uh, places like uh, Vnukovo and Moscow. And, and, and that, that traffic is, is almost at a standstill. But there'll be some other airports too that have been pretty resilient in Europe. I mean, I mentioned Spain and, you know, Mallorca is, um, is actually up as it's increased its flying so far in uh, in july and in the uk which is really one of the laggards it's been furthest behind in the recovery in europe but there are some airports that are um that are actually doing not so badly i mean biggin hill is 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 seeing something within 10 percent of its normal activity um which is far far ahead of, of luton and farnborough so yeah there's, there's quite a bit of variation and what what kind of aircraft are being utilized the most out there? I mean, is it, are we talking about you know mostly corporate jets for leisure travel, or are there some turboprops in there as well? Well, look, the prop flying has been pretty resilient throughout this crisis, and 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 the indications are that those aircraft have been used for um, quite a lot of emergency travel, ambulance travel, logistics, um, cargo, but. Um, but they've not done a great deal better than get within 20% of normal. The the business jet segment, which is which is really showing most popularity, is that is really the smallest of them all, which is the very light jet segment. And um, you know that that in Europe is within within 10% of what we'd normally see. Um, and uh, and and it's really sort of getting stronger and stronger. And and Operators like Globair, which which have a sizable fleet of Mustangs, are, are pretty representative of that. Whereas as you start, it's pretty uniform. As you start going to the larger cabins, you're seeing still a bigger dent in activity. And by the time you start looking at the, you know, the the, the typical kind of multinational um, uh, corporate fleet, you know, the ultra long range Bombardier and Gulfstream aircraft, that they're, they're still really pretty idle, 50 or 60 percent below the uh the flight hours they'd normally be operating and one area we didn't mention is germany um and, uh, you know i know that you all came out with a new release just this morning uh which but in that mention that germany was just under 2.5 percent its normal activity for july uh what what can you tell us about germany you know that it seems like that's been pretty steady you know through the pandemic as well yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, it has it has been less affected than the other countries. It's got a lot of domestic travel. It's always had a larger share than other countries of, of domestic activity. Um, and of course, flying domestic has been a, a lot less complicated than flying international, even if that's just within Schengen countries. So I guess that's, that's given it a little bit more resilience. Um, in fact, if you look in terms of business jets, Germany is, is uh, just, just one and a half percent down. And domestic flying is up. So again, I think you see that um, uh, that 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 shift where people are taking sort of shorter sectors, flying domestically rather than internationally. And and I would say that's really around the leisure market. I don't think anyone can claim to see a a recovery of any kind in the in the corporate market in the business market yet. It's that's too early to call. And there was another region that was also interesting that was mentioned uh, in your report last week as well. The Australasia region of the Asia Pacific was noted as the most normalized 
region and you know regarding flight activity for the month of July um, is that reflective of the wider Asia Pacific region or is it sort of limited to Australia what what can you tell us about that area yeah the interesting thing in Australia of course is that um, you know once once the the, the borders were secured and, and the caseload really you know shrunk to a minimum although that might be changing in the last few days um, the the domestic activity has been really pretty resilient and and you know with the props turboprop which is a pretty significant part of the market included that's uh, that's just a few points below normal in fact if you remove the props that market is actually up um, so but that that's definitely uh, distinctive from the rest of the you know, the broader the broader broader Asia Pacific region because Australia is a pretty mature market. It's it's quite a self contained market or you know, at least the sort of oceanic region. There's a certain kind of amount of bubble travel even between Australia and New Zealand as well. Um and if you start to look at the, the some of the other countries um in Asia Pacific, they're much more reliant on the international connections, the the, the larger business jets. Um and and that traffic just hasn't hasn't come back at all, um, you know. And although China was sort of in one sense over the pandemic uh, several months ago, the uh, business aviation activity is is still down at least to fifteen percent. I see. And if we go out back over to the U.S., uh, that was sort of a mixed bag for July, as we mentioned sort of you know earlier that as states have introduced more restrictions after easing them because you know cases went up uh, that's obviously impacted flying uh, what what can you tell us just about the you know business aviation activity is that still outpacing commercial airline activity in the US right now you know for over the month of July yes it is i mean for the month of July scheduled aviation sectors are down just a little over 50% um, in the US and um and, and they're, they're around about 20% down for business aviation, slightly less if you're just looking at business jets. So it, it is still, you know, more resilient sector. It's more adaptable. I'm sure that as, you know, uh, um, fingers crossed, the, uh, the, 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 the virus comes under some control and there's a reopening, business aviation will be first to, um, to come back. Uh, and I, I think it's got you know, a lot more headroom, I think it's 20% down now. But if you look at Florida, uh, flight activity uh, out of Florida for July is, is up on July 2019. So Florida has been really an important hub for maintaining business activity. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens as, as restrictions start getting relaxed in, in important places like California and Texas, where we normally see a lot of activity. Yeah, and mo you know, noticeably, uh, I saw Teterboro w was down pretty, you know, noticeably as well. And and I think you all highlighted California as well in that in that report. Uh, and any just, you know, over maybe over the last week or so, any any updates or insights about uh, California? Um, well, I wouldn't necessarily pick up specifically California, though. Van Nuys is, is, is has been pretty resilient throughout. Actually, Van Nuys is a is a you know. Obviously, a really important hub in, in on the west coast, and is uh, seeing activity just six points off normal. So it's the uh, you know it's the other larger airports in, in California that have seen 
the very big dent in activity. And and what's what's showing up actually is a number of <clears throat> obviously leisure resorts that have had um, really resilient activity and even growth in activity. I mean, Aspen, for example, has got 18% more business aviation flights in July 20 versus 19. Um, Denver is, is pretty much normal activity. Same with Salt Lake. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, I think what we're seeing here is, uh, you know, I call it sort of leisure stroke lifestyle where uh, business aviation owners and to a certain extent the charter market is, um, you know, basically people getting out of uh, out of the city and 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 to to, the, to some nice places. Yeah, that is interesting to monitor. And you know, another thing I, I did no- notice in your latest uh, release just this morning was you all sort of went over the global footprint by aircraft type. Uh, and it said that you know you, you broke it down to very light jets versus ultra light ultra long range jets. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? What has been sort of the most resilient business jet types that are you know keep flying through the pandemic? Well, I mentioned the Mustang, um, uh, but uh, you know besides the Mustang, which is obviously offering pretty good value for money. Um, the some of the mid-size, super mid-size aircraft are um, flying a lot. The, the Challenger 300-350 um, is is amongst the busiest aircraft, and it's you know down by 15-16%. But it's it's an absolute staple of some of the the bigger uh, charter companies, and 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 they're clearly still finding demand. Um, the Phenom 300 is is a you know is a kind of another one in that. Sort of category, super light, um, offers a lot of versatility, good range, you know, good economy. So these aircraft are doing are doing pretty well. Um, and and in contrast, the uh, you know the even as you step up to the sort of the Challenger 600 platform, you're seeing 30% declines in year-on-year activity. Um, and, and the larger, longer-range aircraft, you know, when when you start to get into the global series. It's it's just you know these aircraft are really very idle still. Right, right, and yeah, and you know this remains one of the you know sort of main topics that all segments of aviation are paying attention to. Um, you know, considering Wings does serve a a range of different customers with your data analytics and t- intelligence, including operators, airframe, engine, and avionics OEMs, among others. Um, can you tell us what those types of customers are doing with this type of data as they monitor these trends? You know, what what type of insights can they draw for you know for their own planning purposes and and sort of outlook based on this? You know, what we saw here in July. Yeah, I think we were just talking there about the shift in preference for aircraft types, and um, of course, you know, activity on its own doesn't tell you. The full story. If you're uh, if, if if you're running an airport or an FBO, what you really need to know is, you know, what is what is the change in the you know let's say the the, the weight or the the wingspan of aircraft that are coming in, not just how many are coming in, um, and because that is obviously going to be a much closer proxy for um, for for the addressable revenue. Likewise, for the fuel market, you really want to look at the sector length and the change in that sector length um if you're if you're a trip support provider you want to look at how many of these flights are 
are still international or rather domestic and and what kind of demand is that going to make on on your services uh if you're a maintenance provider you know what we're able to do is pin down how long these aircraft are parked and where they're parked and and what that tells you about um the intentions of uh, of those owners and and whether you know perhaps a small silver lining is that uh aircraft are, are right now in a good position to get you know some some uh some mro work done right. so yeah those, those are some some examples for different types of suppliers i see and you know richard before before we do let you go i have to ask uh as i do every guest you know uh, during this time what does the rest of the year look like just for wings as an organization i mean are you all starting to get back to some sort of of, of normalcy in your operations? Are, are most of you all working from home, uh, still kind of virtually communicating? Or just give us some perspective from, from your company, how you're continuing to work for the rest of the year. Yeah, well, it's an interesting one. I mean, I've, I've, I've built this, uh, this, this company over the last few years with my, with my business partner, where I have been on the road almost constantly, um, at least 150 trips a year, um, and in particular, you know, focusing on our U.S. customers and, and being based in Europe, but coming over to the U.S. a lot, um, looking to build our, our, our business in Asia. And, and now, of course, you know, we've had six months where, um, you know, barely been on a plane. So <clears throat> that's, um, you know, to a certain extent, you can, you can sustain those relationships. And, and that has been sort of fairly normal because I speak to the same customers I was speaking to before about, you know, at least broadly speaking, the same topics about their business. But um, managing all this uh, remotely without having the opportunity to go see them, go see their operations is, um, you know, that, that's a challenge. And, and frankly, I can't, I can't wait for the, um, for the breaks to come off and, and that kind of normality to return. Yeah, I think, I think all of us certainly, certainly would agree with that. Well, you are Richard Coe the Managing Director of Wings Advance. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate it, Woodrow. Thanks very much. So that brings us to the end of this episode. As always, please subscribe to us on Apple's podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast.